Hey there, you're listening to Radio Boise. This is The Big Tent, and we are talking to you during Radiothon. This is uh, our first show of Radiothon. We always do two shows. I'm here with Beth Markley. I've already done one show. You've already done one show. <laughs> Beth, that's so nice of you to be here with us. My, uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, my name's Jen Schneider. I'm a co-host of The Big Tent. And our usual co-hosts, Jackie Kettler and Luke Fowler, you can feel really bad for them. They're in San Diego. Oh. They're at a conference. I know. It's rough. But what we've got like close to San Diego weather here, so that's kind of exciting. Not just close, but it's exactly the same, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, um, it's uh, an exciting Radiothon day here at Radio Boise. Uh, the speakeasy guys really warmed up the room for us, which was nice. Thanks, guys. And I heard that they were, like, auctioning off a keg. There was a keg. That, oh, yeah. So. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat that. No, it is. It is. And they, well, we'll give it a shot. Yes. I don't know that we have a keg. Yeah. I didn't bring a keg. Did you no, keg? No. I would offer to do, like, a keg stand or something like that, but uh, I don't think people would donate. That doesn't play as well on the radio no. as other things. No. Might. And I probably would pull a hamstring or something <laughs> like that at my age. Um, well, so Beth, uh, I thought we could kick the show off. I mean, the big national news this week is that the Mueller report was released. So we're going to get mm-hmm. to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is full of hot takes on a 448 page document that was just released. So we'll try to refrain from giving you hot takes, but, but we have a few things to say about that. But we're going to uh, kick off the show talking about international news but which for me has like a local angle this week and that is because my 15 year old daughter Addie is in Paris this week Mm -hmm. and she let's see on Monday her class went and took a tour of Notre Dame wow and on Tuesday of course I think it was Tuesday I had all the days are blurring together but I think something like Tuesday Mm -hmm. um, there was a massive fire and Notre Dame lost its roof and lost a historic spire and maybe some uh, relics um, some historic relics inside as well it looked really uh, I think the the, it looked like it was going to be a total loss at one point I mean it looked Mm -hmm. like and they were they were they were worried about it spreading throughout the rest of that island there but fortunately, I mean, it, it, um, the damage was much more contained than they thought. I mean, yeah. as, as horrific as, as those images were. Yeah. So. Yeah. It felt horrific to me. I couldn't, like, think about it too much, first of all, because it was, like, a little bit too close to my mm-hmm. daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to feel really comfortable. So there was the personal aspect. But also, I, I had a chance to live in France, study abroad in France when I was uh, at the College of Idaho. And um, that... Uh, you know, monument, that church just is so significant and it just anchors Paris much in the way the Eiffel Tower does that it Mm -hmm. just felt like it just felt like such an extraordinary loss to see um, to see those flames. Well, and I I I I was surprised to, you know, reading that it's it's it was in serious need of um, some TLC uh, to come to find out. And there was, and was under construction, and right? Was, yeah, and under renovations. And uh, I understood that the, the there was a little bit of back and forth between who was responsible for that because the the, the government owns it and then leases it to the, the um, clergy. Uh, so there was some back and forth about who was responsible for what. And I think in the 90s there was some um, work that had been done that was they, – they used cement to kind of shore up some of the cracks and it was – you know, so water was getting in there and uh, wreaking some more damage. So it was it was looking at a uh, hundred and eighty five million dollar price tag for the renovations that it needed. And it was and I don't know that that was the scope of the renovations that were underway. So it was uh, it, it's definitely a landmark that is iconic mm-hmm. um, worldwide and but also one that uh, was going to at some point face some. Yeah, consequences uh, absolutely. Lack of use. Absolutely. Of so, care. so I mean, that's like sort of my my sincere feelings about it was just it felt devastating. I had a friend who texted me and said, "What's it What's it like for your daughter to be, you know, mm-hmm. there in a city in pain?" And I think that's that's an appropriate question to ask. Of course, we live in the 21st century, 
the age of uh, social media. And so there have been some interesting facets to the story that are, are worth talking about. One is sort of that it got immediately spun, especially by um, folks on the far right on Twitter and wherever else those folks hang out these days. Um, conspiracy. Yeah, theories. conspiracy saying, well, and saying it was a terrorist attack, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I think folks notice it that even Fox News, for example, shut down those conspiracy theories mm-hmm. right away. There was no evidence for that. And in fact, it was due to the renovations. But it's so, you know, speaking of sort of hot take culture, that was an example where we have just this really devastating incident that happens for a city and for, for Western culture. And then the accusations begin to and fly. And very high profile. Yeah. Folks making some really outlandish uh, uh, guesses as to what might, without any, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, any basis in fact. And, and I think that's, it's unfortunate that that's the, the world that we live in now is that we need to, you know, people, this just spreads that's like, right. like that fire. Yeah. Um, there have been some scholars who've done some really interesting work lately on how the the alt-right in particular has sort of co-opted classic European culture and, in the service of their politics, and that came into play here as well. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame being sort of the symbol of a white Western civilization, and um, so it was easy to make that leap, I think, for some to assume that it was a um, target for terrorists. And I've not been able to make the connection, uh, but I did read about it. I need to drill down a little bit about this this connection between some of those iconic uh, Western structures and or memorials or and, and nationalism. And yes. and I'm I'm not quite sure I understand like what that connection is. But it, I mean, it is true that there you know that was not the only historic structure that was facing. Um, damage. We had uh, reports coming out just almost um, at the same time of a of a mosque, a historic mosque in in Jerusalem uh, that was on fire, a two thousand year old building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking at photos here, and it is a gorgeous, you know, gold domed building. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily inspire the same kind of uh, uh, reaction in me because I, it's not iconic in my mind. So I mean, I'm sure for some folks that's it could inspire the same kind of terror um or angst uh certainly historically as significant yeah absolutely i mean just to go back to the all right for a minute there's sort of something i think about and um have written a little bit about but i think you know one of the um larger alt-right groups is called Identity Europa, and on their posters and things, they often have uh, pictures of Greek statues and, and things like mm. that. And I think there's a, a sense among those folks that your Western European culture is the end-all end be-all, um, mm-hmm. and they desire a sort of nostalgic return to that age of, that golden age of, of white supremacy. And so it makes sense to me that um, it would play into their narratives in ways way that a burning mosque might, might not. Yeah, right? certainly. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And the other um, sort of social media take uh, on this has to do with uh, the burning of black churches that have happened in the American South. Right. Um, there's been a huge outpouring of, of donations, big dollar donations from billionaires, for example, in, in Europe and elsewhere, offering to pay to fix um, Notre Dame. And uh, there have been calls sort of for the same attention and same outpouring of support Mm -hmm. um, to be given to those black churches in the South that have been set fire because of um, the sort of racist history. And those were very much on purpose. Those, uh, is what I understand, Um, arson in in rural Louisiana. Uh, uh, And certainly not the, uh, I I understand like close to a billion dollars has been raised for the renovation now of of Notre Notre Dame. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that the, I mean, I'm, I can almost bet that the same amount of outpouring has not happened on behalf of those. Has not happened there. Louisiana churches. And then one more wild cultural layer over all the top of this, of course, is that, you know, there are, <laughs> Notre Dame is a 
Catholic cathedral. (laughs) uh, The Catholic Church has been going through its own very interesting moment of conflict and transition in the face of all of the child abuse scandals. Um, The former Pope Benedict came out last week with a report saying that he really thinks the problem with the scandals is sort of a libertine, uh, I don't know, I'm going to fill in the, I'm filling the gaps here of like uh, f- feminists and free love types and uh, folks who are not um, as in line with church doctrine as they should be are uh, has resulted in this some of these uh, activities within the church itself. It's a bizarro. It's a bizarro that is a, argument. That is a an amazing deflection right there. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. So I think you know, um, on top of all of uh, this happening with Notre Dame, which of course is a symbol beyond the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and for for all of Europe and the world, um, but I think there are a lot of folks who are you know casting a side glance at the church and wondering why some of the church's resources can't be uh, put towards this as well. So, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of a lot of people looking and and wondering. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, that is what is happening with um, Notre Dame this week. But here at Radio Boise, Beth, I mean, the only thing that's on fire are the phone lines. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and we have some we have some wonderful phone bankers out there ready to take your calls. Uh, if you just call in and you're interested in supporting uh, free forum, community-powered, people-powered radio by calling 208-258-2072. I know they'd like to keep busy. They, they got a little respite here after the speakeasy and the, their whole thing with the keg. Um, but I'm know, really going to have to up our game for next week. Like at least a six pack. <laughs> we'll bring in a six pack. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or it could be cider. It could be. We're flexible. We're flexible. flexible. Yeah. But you know what? Let um, us know. In the meantime, we can we can also let you know that uh, there are a lot of great premiums for in exchange for your contribution. Um, Every time I come down here at um, 1020 West Main Street, Beth, I look over at the amazing um, swag, Radio Boise stuff. It is co- it's cool stuff. I love the hats. Cool we have a great new T-shirt, a limited edition local artist tee. That's just if you commit to pledge 25 bucks a month, you can just have it pulled right out of your paycheck, and you get this amazing limited edition local artist tee. It's black with an orange uh, Radio Boise graphic on it. It is good. Good looking. So you know, you know that graphic is actually album cover art. Uh, the T-shirt is 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 a as a you know that twenty-five dollar a month premium or three hundred dollars. But the album cover, I just want to speak about this a little bit because I'm really excited. It's our major gifts program, uh, which is starts at a really reasonable five hundred dollar a year uh, and and goes up, of course. But that's like forty-two bucks a month, yeah. right? Probably yeah. less than it costs to take a family out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get this this beautiful locally produced album cover art, and there's a different there's a different design every year. This one's kind of like a uh, I don't know what would you call that like a it feels like jazz agey to me, age, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's and really cool. Wonderful tones of orangey orangey hues, you know, auburn. Anyway, so um, and important to me it's available in unisex or women's cuts because oh if God. you're a lady oh. and you're like me those men's t-shirts man the, the they just go right up to your neck and you feel like you're being strangled well i don't know about you but i have enough uh, pairs of pajamas i don't know i don't need <laughs> another t-shirt to sleep in or you know a shirt with the arms that go like halfway down yeah, to my elbow like, right. I have a shirt that's made for a woman and yeah. why can't that be the standard why can't that yeah. be the unisex you just tuck that into we your high-waisted jeans or and unisex roll. there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like it, it. women's cuts mom's jeans um yeah, so we've got we've got all kinds of fun swag, and you can make a contribution online at radioboise.org. That's an easy way to go. And the other thing is, you know, we, you can consider um, if you are already a donor, call and just make a little little gift. You know, just call and let us know that you're here and uh, that you love Radio Boise, and then you love the opportunity to hear people um, opine about, or maybe not opine, but just, you I know, mean, I think that's through. fair. That's a fair verb. 
Yeah. Opine. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the weekly events and happenings. Um, we have a lot of great music programs too. I'm just I'm partial to the public affairs programming. I mean, as you would be. I would be. As you would be. They're I'm, great. Yeah. And and I was just gonna say again, we my family gives twenty five dollars a month here to Radio Boise because we really believe in what this program is programming is doing. I uh, spend a little bit of my time as a professor at Boise State thinking about things like media studies and messaging and rhetoric and communication, and it is such a relief to have a place like this. Uh, where you can hear real folks that you might see on the street in Boise talking about things that they're passionate about and they commit their volunteer time here. And it's just not shiny and packaged and uh, squeaky. It's authentic and real, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I do as well. And and hearing the, um, the just the range of... Uh, music that you hear on the air too is just amazing and you just uh, somebody had said at one point i love turning to a station and it's going to be something i haven't heard before or at least it's not the same five songs yeah here absolutely station, yeah and really it's going to cool. be fresh every time you turn it on too you don't know if you're going to get some afro beats or some jazz or some folk it's pretty great Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Big Tent. I'm your host, Jen Schneider. I'm here with Beth Markley in with me for Radiothon. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, yeah, hot take time. More hot On takes. the Mueller report. Ooh, we're going to bring the it. news of the day. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Marissa from Screaming Females, and you're listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. Community radio for Boise and beyond. And we're back. You're listening to The Big Tent here on Radio Boise. It's Public Affairs Thursday, and it's also Radiothon. So we're really excited to have you call in and uh, show your support for Radio Boise. Um, In the meanwhile, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mueller report, which, as you probably are aware, dropped today. This has been uh, years in the making, two years in the making, Mm -hmm. that uh, Special Counsel Robert Mueller has been working on crafting this report, investigating the president and accusations of coordination with the Russian government as well as obstruction of justice claims. So it seems like there's some important things to understand about this uh, report, Beth. Among them, its length. It is 448 pages. pages. Mm -hmm. And it's split into two volumes to address those two major groupings of accusations. The first volume having to do with whether or not the Trump campaign coordinated with the Russian government. And the second volume having to do with whether or not the president and his campaign and administration obstructed justice once the investigation was underway. Um, And I think, too, you can find the entire report online, although... It is heavily redacted. Um, so Although I think the wording was lightly redacted. I, I'm looking at a page, you know, right here that has like big blocks of black. Yes. That doesn't seem lightly, but I'm just, I, I'm not an expert on this. Well, it depends. So you can scroll about 20, 25 pages and not see hardly any redactions. Mm-hmm. And then I think once you get into the meat of the report, there might be whole pages that are are completely redacted. Um, and the reason for that is, of, of course, because there are ongoing criminal investigations happening in the Southern District of New York, investigating people like Roger Stone, uh, the dirty trickster. He was um, uh, an advisor on the Trump campaign and considers himself a friend of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, what a character that guy is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a giant tattoo of Richard Nixon giving sort of the, you know, double V's on his back um, and has really been a, a gadfly throughout this entire process. So he's finally in some hot water. Yeah, as my teenager would say, that guy's a meme. He says meme as it gets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And really, I think like so many people associated with the the early days of the Trump campaign, really unafraid to um, to get himself in trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that you could say that that characterized the early Trump campaign was a willingness to um, not be sort of politically savvy or to pay attention to messaging in in the way that campaigns might normally pay attention to. Well, and I think that for a lot of folks who supported that campaign, that was something that they found really attractive, is that they played fast and loose with those rules and they didn't, they weren't, you know, um, they weren't 
traditional. In they weren't too of, polished. They weren't too polished. They yeah. said it. They talked. They said it like it was, and mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't spin, which yeah. I think is a little far from the truth when you take a look at like yeah. how the Mueller report was released and so forth. But we, we can talk about that later. But um, you know, that's that was the attraction for mm-hmm. a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's confusing, isn't it? Because in some ways they are kind of unvarnished and unpolished. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, that does not necessarily equal telling the truth. No. And that, I think, is as something that people have have, um, have lost sight of, and it has been difficult to sort of comprehend as we've moved through this presidency. So um, what's been interesting about the release of this report is that uh, Acting Attorney General William Barr, mm-hmm. do I have his name right, last uh, week, two weeks ago, I can't tell anymore. Time has lost all meaning <laughs> to me. <laughs> But uh, sometime in the last 24 years, uh, the acting attorney general released a report um, that was a four-page. In the 90s. Okay, Okay, that makes me feel better. A four-page summary, actually, of the Mueller report. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Justice Department got it first, released a four-page summary, and in that summary, I was talking about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but I was so relieved to read the summary because it basically suggested there was no there there. Um, And even though I'm no great fan of the president, I thought that that could be really good for the country, actually, if this was just a case of sort of bungling incompetence rather than intentional malfeasance. Um, However, the Mueller report itself suggests that maybe things are not so cut and dry. So it does seem, from what I've been able to glean, scan, um, that it does not look like there was quote-unquote collusion mm-hmm. with the Russian government. No, but I don't know that that is from lack of trying. I mean, that's the that's right. what I've been hearing is there was there were there were some very deliberate uh, attempts. Yeah, and the bar was high, right? The Mueller team set the bar high that mm-hmm. they defined collusion, which is that's more of a popular term than a legal term, as the willing coordination of both camps. So in other words, the Trump campaign would have had to come together with the Russians and agree to a particular strategy, for example. Mm-hmm. And it looked like overtures were m- made on both sides, but for whatever reason, again, perhaps incompetence, I, um, it didn't come together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then and there there have been some indictments from the whole investigation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, more than a few, and um, and one of those was from was was Papadopoulos, who mm-hmm. was was one of the instigators of those those initial um, efforts to mm-hmm. to bring together both parties. And I think that's yeah. significant. Yeah, and Manafort. I mean, he's all over this report as well. And mm-hmm. and um, although he he is going to do jail time, not for what he did with the campaign, but for tax violations and other other things, he certainly made overtures to the Russian government as well. And that's that's made very clear in this report. Mm-hmm. So it looks as if, now this doesn't mean Congress isn't going to investigate it, but it looks as if the Mueller team felt pretty confident that they were not going to be able to meet that high standard of what collusion or coordination meant. Um, I think there still are some troubling connections between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And for any other president, I think they would be a big problem. Oh, for sure. But they're in the noise on this one. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think we're at that point where, uh, you know, if, if we're hearing all of these really outrageous things every single day to have this come out and be like, oh, there was some, you know, there was some tampering and there was some intent and there was some, you know, I, I mean, it, it would have had to come down to uh, some very specific egregious behaviors and which egregious is is a different word these days than it used to be I think it really is and so many people sort of compare what's been happening now with what happened um, to Richard Nixon speaking of Nixon Uh, but it seems to me the the big difference is that we are so hyper-partisan now Mm -hmm. and that there um, however this report turned out it was going to be sort of spun by either side by either side yeah 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 and I don't know how 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 we get to the truth 
yeah with all of that yeah honestly i think it's going to take time and that that for me really is the problem with sort of social media hot take culture i mean i was so excited to see the new york times and the washington post both put um started reporting on the report immediately as soon as it was released this morning mm-hmm. um and you could tell in those newsrooms they probably assigned journalists okay you have page one through ten and you have page 11 through 20 and and ask them to sort of write summaries on those and that's the way those were reported very hastily lots of typos <laughs> um, and so I appreciate that um, and I think I understand why those newsrooms are doing that mm-hmm. and I also think man that's really part of the problem is that we are so quick uh, to jump to assumptions and interpretations that are probably not very well formed no it's all about the um, getting that get it breaking that news and getting the scoop mm-hmm. um, and I think that there's a lot of culpability on the part of the media here in terms of, you know, how uh, how how they're how they're putting this information out, not just with the Mueller report, but I mean, in terms of like how news breaks. That's and right. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is. I know that, you know, the intent is uh, to put shed light on some very important issues um, in a timely manner. And I don't know what the balance is in terms of doing that and also ensuring the the accuracy and the and removing that bias because it's a myth to think that that's right anybody's going to be able to be completely unbiased and yet that's what we have to shoot for right i mean that's the importance of Mm -hmm. the fourth estate is that they are going to sort of perform a check on the other uh, parts of government and i think you know now probably more than ever that's really significant and really important and at the same time, I'm sure there are folks at, you know, the, the Times and the Post who probably regret coming out so quickly with some of their reporting and some of their interpretations. And this is not to even mention what's happened on social media, like Twitter, for example. I, some, of the, some of the reporting that is coming out in the Mueller report directly contradicts some of the most sort of egregious um, conspiracy mongers on Twitter mm-hmm. on both the left and the right. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of Seth Abram- Abramson. I was just thinking of his, I was, he, yes. he had so many, like, wait, this is going to come to fruition. And I was like, "Ooh, it's gonna be I know explosive." <laughs> no, and then it's. I mean, compared to what he was put, you know, positing out there, it's really been kind of a fizzle. Yeah, he's been. He's. It looks like he's been wrong about a number of things. And you know, I I certainly followed him in the days following the election. Uh, I think just wondering what was going to happen, like everybody else. But pretty quickly, it started to look like the scene from A Beautiful Mind, <laughs> where you go you go out into the gardening shed, and there are pictures all over the shed, and strings are pinned to one another all across the shed. It just starts to sort of strain your credulity. Right, and it seems like that was that's certainly been. And you wonder if you're the one with the conspiracy yes. theories instead yes. of. Oh man, that's right. Well, um, we we should talk also about the obstruction of justice piece because that looks like that could have much more serious ramifications for the president. But bef- before we do that, Beth, let's talk a little bit about Radiothon. So Radiothon, you know, we do this twice a year, and uh, it's a it's a. It's a necessary part of keeping uh, these programs on the air. And I remember when we started, uh, we were able to say with all sincerity that we kept this station running for like 130 bucks a day or some really outrageous. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's grown. It's grown. But we're still like dealing with, we have a, a skeleton crew. Mm-hmm. We have over 100 volunteer programmers that keep this place running and then hundreds more who are just willing to come in and answer the phones which are, are not super buzzing off the hook right now but you know they have oh, but been. they could be they could be we invite you to do that people call 208-258-2072 uh, but really this is one of the most I, I i'm involved in a lot of community um, activities this is one of the most robust volunteer supported uh, community projects that there is in the Treasure Valley, and I love the folks here too. They just love this place, and they're yeah, all it's a in. Culture fit, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. How long have you been here, Beth? Well, I was approached to help with the fundraising before we were on the air. But we, there was a live stream going on, so it was prior to the first. The station went on the air eight years ago this month. So uh, it was it was before that, and I one of the founders approached me about um, fundraising, and yeah. 
I just sat down with them and did a brain dump on how to how to capital campaign fundraise and um, and and you know I asked him uh, Jeff Abrams I said why community radio and I told this story on my show uh, Wednesday yesterday so um, sorry apologies if you've already heard it but. Uh, I said, why community radio? And he said, you know, um, we're the largest metropolitan area without a community radio station. We have a wonderful uh, NPR affiliate, and they they do great content, but they're not as as local. They have some good local content, but they're not 100% local. But we are the biggest met- we were the biggest metropolitan area without a community radio station, and that's significant uh, in 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 that 90% of what we see here in Reed is produced or is is owned by a handful of companies worldwide. Uh, and that that impact on access to information uh, on democracy is it could be profound. Yeah, I mean, if you find that upsetting, as I do, I do. if you want to fight that a little bit, you should go to RadioBoise.org. I think this is the perfect time to go because if you have a sort of nine-to-five job, it is the end of the day, and I know that you're probably on Facebook, or maybe you're seeing if ModCloth has a sale. Why not just open up another window in your browser and go to RadioBoise.org and sign up? Um, you could make a, any donate, any size donation really helps us out. It makes mm-hmm. a big difference. You could also do uh, what Beth and I do, which is have a little money taken out or a lot of money taken out if you feel like you it. Add to your monthly donation. That's right. Add to it. Bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it will make you feel good, and it will help us uh, stay on the air and continue to provide this excellent uh, local programming. Mm-hmm. So, Beth, uh, Luke and Jackie couldn't be here, but they did record a little pitch for all of our listeners. Uh, oh, God bless them. I know. Isn't that nice? That's just so uh, I will say that Jackie warned me that she may in this spot have said that our address is 2010 West Main Street. So I'm just gonna say it's 1020 West Main Street. and In the if, Alaska Center, down below the bridal shop. That's right, and come on down, check us out, say hi, we would love to meet you. And if you are at 2010 West Main Street, and you get some of our listeners? Come about <laughs> 10 blocks east. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Yeah. All right, here's uh, Luke and Jackie. Uh, so listen up. You know, Jackie, one of the things that uh, I love uh, about uh, Spring Radiothon and Radiothon in general is the opportunity for us to sit back and think about you know, what we love most about being on Radio Boise and hosting the Big Tent um, and lots of opportunities. So what is your favorite part about being on this show and being part of the Radio Boise community? Well, I mean, for I think... The Big Tent on Radio Boise allows us to share um, interesting events, but also, you know, analysis on policy and politics with the broader community, which is really fun. We don't get to engage in that all the time. We teach, but often we're much more driven by kind of particular tasks, right? And so um, being able to engage in community radio allows us to, to actually talk to the community and share our insights, but also learn. Um, about uh, you know people in the community and I love listening to Radio Boise and that it's just the diversity of content is amazing you can encounter new music learn about local events learn about different things happening in the community because it's locally driven because it's um, you know public community radio we get to encounter this diversity of content that you we just don't get um, on kind of the mainstream radio sources and so so I love being able to just listen and learn all kinds of new things. And so uh, being Spring Radiothon, there's plenty of ways to, to donate um, online, face-to-face. If you come down to 1020 um, West Main in the Alaska building, uh, you can do it online at uh, RadioBoise.org. Or you can uh, call us up. And Jackie, can you remind me what the phone number is? Yep, it's 208-258-2072. Yes. Um, and again, uh, three ways to donate. And if you donate, lots of awesome Radio Boise swag. And I'll just uh, remind everybody, this is exclusive Radio Boise merchandise that is not available for purchase or the general public. So it's time for, if you want to join this very exclusive group, you're going to have to uh, donate some money here during Spring Radiothon. Aw, I miss those smooth vocal stylings of those two. Luke and Jackie (laughs) pre-recorded that for all of you, our listeners. So help us out. Uh, Give the station a call, uh, 208 
258-2072 or like I said open up another window in your browser and go to radioboise.org there is an easy giving button it is super simple if you know how to work a computer you know how to give us a little cash and we would sure appreciate it mm-hmm. so Beth we were going to uh, return to the Mueller report and perhaps this is why the donations are not flooding in as people are just so upset how about you channel that rage Radio Boise listeners into to making your community a better place yeah throw a few Throw a few bones our way. Um, in the meanwhile, we'll just stoke your rage further and talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> that's how we roll at the big tent here on Radio Boise. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Mueller report and um, about the part of the report that I think is probably the most significant and the most interesting. And that has to do with the volume that is on obstruction of justice. So, Beth, do you have any thoughts on on how that is shaping up? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Well, I was trying to think of, um, I, you know, I'm digesting all of this as as I'm getting my little yeah. snippets of news yeah. in my car. As they're rolling kids, in. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. meetings. Um, I'm with you. And like we said, it's early. It just came out this morning. The Mueller report did. But what, what again, what I think is interesting is when the four page summary that uh, Attorney General Barr put out suggested that there was no there there um, mm-hmm. on either the collusion count or on the obstruction of justice count, although he left a little wiggle room on the obstruction of justice piece. My read of the what I've been able to, to take in on the Mueller report so far is that, in fact, uh, the door is much wider open on obstruction of justice than we might originally have thought. And it doesn't feel at least initially like there there has been that much focus today on the full report on that piece of the puzzle it's yeah. been on the in the the possibility of collusion at least from what i've heard and i could be totally wrong because i'm hearing just snippets um and maybe people are just trying to check bars framing of that and to make sure that that is indeed the case mm-hmm. um, but i think some of the uh, pieces of the Mueller report that have to do with uh, obstruction of justice are especially uh, damning so um, the comey firing for example you might remember that uh, fbi director james comey was fired by the president and that the white house gave the excuse that uh, he had mishandled uh, the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all of us rolled our eyes a little bit at that. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, this report suggests, no, that is not why he was fired. He was fired because he was perceived as uh, promoting or enabling the Mueller investigation. So I think there's a, a number of sort of confirmatory pieces of information in this report that suggests that the president really was unhappy about the investigation ha- happening. Uh, and in fact, I think there was uh, information about the uh, twice, two, uh, two times at which they, the Mueller was... Um, he was his intention. The president's intention was to fire Mueller, and and was held back by by his his, his uh, the staff. the White House lawyer in particular, mm-hmm. Don McGahn. Don he McGahn. was ordered to to fire Mueller, and McGahn threatened himself, threatened to quit if that happened because he knew that that would not be legal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, also wanted uh, session Jeff Sessions, former Attorney General, fired because Sessions had recused himself, which enraged. Uh, the president. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a number of those things are confirmed. Uh, I think you know you're going to hear this soundbite over and over again in coverage of this. But a, a chief excerpt um, from the report. I'll, I'll just read from um, the Washington Post coverage of this. But uh, quote: the report also recounts a remarkable moment in May 2017 when Sessions told Trump. So that's Attorney General Jeff Sessions told Trump that Mueller had just been appointed special counsel. Trump slumped back in his chair, according to notes from Jody Hunt, Sessions, then chief of staff, and said, quote, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm effed. F word. Yeah, mm-hmm. F word. So um, you're welcome, FCC. I thought about it. <laughs> I, th- I mean, if the president can do it, it's Washington Post. No, we don't. We don't. He can afford the fine. He can afford the fine. We cannot. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I think, is a pretty extraordinary acknowledgement that the president understood very early on that this was serious for his presidency. And, you know, I think the big open question for me still, and I won't know until I've had a chance to read the report, but the big open question is why did so many people 
including Trump himself, including the people around Trump, lie about so much. There was no there there. There was no truly. And the other question I have is the way this uh, the report was released today. You know, this the presser that they had this morning a good hour and a half before anybody had access to the report. And then, in fact, one of the questions was um, was posed by a, a reporter and uh, Attorney General Barr said, well, you'll have to read the report. Well, we, we'd like to, thank you very much, in order to mm-hmm. ask intelligence. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's very hard to look at that as any way other than a PR move. Yep. You know, the, the White House was briefed whether or not they saw the report, they're saying they, they, you know, that they didn't. But the White House was was clearly briefed in advance. So to see this as something other than putting a spin on things, it's very hard for I think any average American to to do. Um, and I, I think the legality is something that's I'm going to be on shaky ground there. But um, yeah, and most legal experts say they understand why the Mueller report took the stance they did. I think it is not clear if a sitting president can be indicted for certain right. things, and mm-hmm. I understand uh, understand that. I do think, though, that in a sort of post-recession environment, there is less public willingness to allow folks in public office or in positions of power to walk without being held accountable for their actions and so it will be really interesting to watch and see how many Americans read this like sort of does it just get spun into sort of the partisan packages we might expect or is there something more interesting we have an election well that was what I was thinking what is you know are people just going to be tired of hearing about this uh, from the 2020 candidates Uh, pretty full field of you know um, on the Democratic side Uh, and will it play in their favor or against them yeah you know when there are really pressing issues people are concerned about health care they're concerned about the environment they're um they're looking at you know some of the the hyper partisanship i personally wonder if it would wouldn't just play against them to to go back on this over and over again um and rather than just to over investigate over investigate rather than mm-hmm. saying this is this is these are the steps i would take that my administration would take to correct some of these issues. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the Dems are wrestling with with that, right? Like Pelosi and and other folks in the leadership have made it really clear that they're not going to focus on impeachment for exactly the reasons you outlined. And at the same time, Congress is supposed to be a check on the executive and on executive power. So it'll be it will be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of shaking out, I'm just really good at those segues. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> what's going on? Um, it's just, it's Radiothon. It's Radiothon. Um, and can I say another thing that I love about Radio Boise is the live music, the folks that we get oh in my gosh. the studio. It's amazing. I've been turned on to so much new, I mean, I'm a professor, so one, my musical tastes are like 20 years out of date, and I don't oh get exposed too. to new mm-hmm. things very often. Mm-hmm. But two, every time I turn on Radio Boise, I get exposed to something, and I would say sometimes, and maybe a lot of the time, I really like what I'm hearing. Sometimes a little experimental and wild for me There's and my Phil Collins I, yeah. taste. <laughs> but I like that it's being played. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Well, I like hearing from the artists. So they come, they they they'll, they might be traveling through Boise. Um, they're going to play a show or something, and they just come and sit down and, you know, bang out a song on their, on their guitar here in, in our studio or in our live room. And... It's pretty exciting, and there's other art forms that that have that opportunity. There's uh, there's our our couch surfer series. There's there's readings. There's um, there's some fun stuff, and and it doesn't. There's no other place for that kind of um, material to get on the air. There really isn't. And and I you know as as programmers, I know as music programmers, uh, they're encouraged to 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 play newer. Um, more local stuff, give some more airtime to that kind of thing. And well, what a nice chaser to Treefort too, right? You went out and saw a bunch of great bands, maybe some that you had never heard before. Right. And then you get to hear that on the radio here as well. It has definitely opened my mind to um, experimenting with music. I had no idea the range. And I'm not an audiophile. I mean, my husband really likes the music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tag along. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, yeah, I have very pedestrian taste when it comes to music. I'm a news junkie. Yep. 
So I end up, you know, I just, he puts the playlist together for my show, for the breaks for my show. And people are always like, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Let me uh, text my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just am like, is it going on my running playlist or is it not? That's my, those are the two distinctions. Or is it some EDM thing that my kids are listening to? <laughs> Um, otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But, Beth, I will say, you ha- you also have some amazing guests on your show. We try to have guests on our show once in a while, and that's another um, great feature of Radio Boise is that we feature folks who are working in the nonprofit s- sector and the public sector who own their own businesses. It's really a chance to get for you to get to know people here in Boise. And So if that's something you value, please go online to radioboise.org. You can call 208 208- 258-2072. My buddy Chris is out there and he's waiting to take your call. You can even come and stop by 1020 West Main Street. I didn't look to see if there are donuts, but they're often are. I ran in here really fast. I didn't get to see, but there's usually snacks. Yeah, there's snacks. donuts. There's smoothies. We come in dinner time. If I'm coming to do my show on Wednesdays, I don't eat lunch because I know there's going to be food. You know there's so going to be food. And it's nice down here. There's a little bit of sunshine coming in those windows. Mm-hmm. So stop by if you're out walking around downtown stop by and say hello before you uh, head home on your commute hop on your browser and go to radioboise.org so Luke and Jackie recorded one more little spot for us we got to play it let's see what those two are, are all about all right, here at the Big Tent, we um, are excited about Spring Radiothon. Uh, we appreciate your support, and you can um, support Radio Boise in several ways. You can donate online at radioboise.org. Um, call us up at 208-258-2072, um, or come down um, here at 2010 West Main Street to make a donation. Um, so there's lots of great reasons to support Radio Boise. Luke, what are some reasons why you are I'm always excited to support Radio Boise. Well, uh, besides the fact that I'm one of the hosts of the Big Tent, <laughs> um, that uh, can be reason enough. But, you know, it's this is probably one of the funnest things I do every week. Um, and, you know, just being busy at work and, and having all this stuff, like this is one of the things that I always love to do and I never really, like, dread going. Because it's just so much fun to, to sit around and talk, uh, talk to you, Jackie, and Jen, and, you know, our guests about just – pressing public affairs um, when we have our, our colleagues from the School of Public Service on um, to, to hear them talk about their research and how they're really trying to make their communities better um, through knowledge and engagement and all this stuff. So it's really uh, amazing to come here and spend, you know, 30 or 40 or 30 minutes on the air, but 45 minutes, you know, before and after the show um, to take an hour out of my day and really learn about the things that are going on in our community. And Radio Boise is something that makes that happen, um, makes it happen in a way that no other radio or media in this area is doing um because we're not uh we're not talking about sponsors we're not talking about um you know what what's coming down from you know news hosts or or what we have to say to to fit in any agenda um we're just talking about the real facts and what's going on in our community and trying to engage and, and inform um so it's really amazing to to be a part of this show and then the radio boise community itself is just awesome i mean there's so many cool people that hang around here um if you were at Tree Fort a couple weeks ago, you probably saw the Radio Boise stage and all the fun things that were going on. Um, and so there's just, you know, amazing community here that does a lot of different things. And there's always an opportunity to get involved and regardless what it is. And it just makes being part of Radio Boise um, a really, you know, fulfilling experience for me. I agree. I think I'm so much more connected to the community now that I'm involved in Radio Boise. So we appreciate your support. Um, please donate. Keep us on the air. Um, again, three ways to donate. Um, if you give us a call at 208-258-2072 or you can come down enjoy some free food and give a donation i'm here at radio boise at 2010 west main street uh and that, of course that should be 1020 west main street jackie reminded me to correct that 1020 in the alaska center in the alaska center uh so uh, just a quick shout out to some of our food sponsors this right we week. were talking about food before yeah tree city smoothies showing up getting mm-hmm. us some nice refreshing smoothies dawson taylor coffee keeping us awake blue sky bagels for the carb load and chicago connection that what? sweet sweet salty food i know does that come in i gotta stick exactly around stick around for that so i know i'm probably not supposed to say this but can i tell you we have not had one call this hour and i w- um. i really my favorite thing about radiothon is that our second show next week i like to try to beat our record for the first week you guys <laughs> are making it too me. easy yeah the bar is set 
So, hey, do us a favor. If you listen to the Big Ten, if you like public affairs coverage with a local uh, flair, can you please go to RadioBoise.org? It's super easy to give there. You can also give us a call here at 208-258-2072. Any amount really helps. Five bucks, ten bucks. You can set up a monthly donation, whatever works for you. It's an awesome way to support your community. Beth, I don't know if you know this, but I had a chance to facilitate these sort of large community conversations for the city of Boise this last year around growth. Hmm. And I had a chance uh, to hear a lot about what people are unhappy about, but also what people love about this city. And one of the things that people mentioned over and over again was how accessible it is, how it uh, has like the benefits of a big town, but still a small town feel. And I really think that um, that means that we have excellent radio stations like uh, NPR, but it also means that we have local radio stations like this one, Radio Boise. It means we have Trader Joe's, but it also means we have Winco. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to keep supporting sort of small uh, or local businesses and the feeling of Boise, a place where we might know each other and have each other's backs, uh, this is a great time to show up. Absolutely. How about some local? We got just a few more minutes. You wanted to talk about some local stuff? Would you please? That would be great. Well, I think the biggest thing that uh, that I'm thinking about is the is that all of a sudden there's new parking open downtown. What? I know. Where? Over by that state house that is remarkably oh. empty. Mm-hmm. Is that where you've been? You just blew it. You told everybody where the secret parking is. It's well, it's not. It's not so secret. It's usually like <laughs> it's usually it's full around mm, sometime January through April, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really impossible, especially mm. around, between like nine and three to get a parking space. Yeah, downtown. so Bess, so why is there so much parking there now? Yes, <laughs> our legislators have gone home. <laughs> yeah, finally, the huh? Lord. They must be worn out. I'm sure they are. It yeah, was a haggard. Contentious session, to yeah. say. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that on uh, previous shows. I know you've been talking about it as well, but there was so much back and forth over the Medicaid and Medicaid sideboards. And then the initiatives. Oh, the um, initiatives. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what was your big takeaway from this session? Sort of, uh, how how do you think we fared? uh, I am, I am surprised at, really, I was surprised to see those, um, the, what I really thought of as an attack on the initiative process. Uh, And it was very pointed. And somebody said to me at one point, they said, this is not necessarily about Medicaid, but they can read the writing on the wall when it comes to marijuana. And, and that makes, that makes a little bit of sense, but still, you know, that initiative process is, is, um, it's already pretty robust. It's a pretty, it's pretty tough to meet those standards. And they, they did their darndest and they, I think succeeded in making it tougher um, and I'm, and I'm, I was really surprised at that. And I think, I, I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of, um, I think, I wonder if they're going to have some answering to do to their constituencies. Yeah. I mean, we've, between that we, and the Medicaid thing. Yes. As we've talked about predictions is off, often a fool's errand, but it does make me wonder just if this is going to be one of those pivotal moments in Idaho politics where we, w- we look back and say, wow, that was the beginning of a change. And I'm not saying that, you know, the state is going to turn blue anytime soon or anything like probably that. Probably not. But I think contentious politics, I know this is probably a Pollyanna spin, but contentious politics means that we are having a robust discussion and that the challengers actually have something meaningful to say to those in power. And so uh, I certainly didn't have the outcome that I would have liked. I think a lot of folks feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is just the beginning. It, it was an interesting first year for Governor Little, that's for sure. Uh, and I feel like he, he was in a position where he had to show what he, he was made of. And I, I, so I wasn't surprised. I, mean, I, I was a little surprised by the veto. I was um, when the, the um, Medicaid expansion bill came out. And, yeah. Uh, so pleasantly surprised, although then later, I think he signed one that did have sideboards. Yeah, there was some back and forth there for sure. Yeah. Oh, it was the initiatives, the initiatives bills that he that he vetoed. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think this is over. I think we're... I don't think it's over either. And I think this sets, sets the stage for us to continue to have 
battles. And if you've lived in Idaho for a long time, you know that it has often felt like those battles were very one-sided. And so it was mm-hmm. it's interesting that um, that things felt a little more, uh, a little tougher this time for one side. So it was interesting. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here at the Big Tent on Radio Boise. It's Radiothon Public Affairs Thursday. Uh, We're going to take you out um, with some upcoming music. This is Ben Dickey at Lux. You were listening to it at the top of the show. We're going to take take, uh, you out on it as well, playing April 27th at Lux. And this is I Think It's All Different.